Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Today, myself and Eric Bionfort are going to talk about the first three rounds of drafts, not just for underdog, not just for DraftKings, but also for drafters. Maybe talk about how they differ in each format, what you should be doing, who you should be taking, who you should not be taking. There's a couple of names on that list that are um, pretty interesting as well. So without further ado, let's do it. It's always good when StreamYard decides to delay stuff so that you just go into an absolute panic. And you're like, oh, shit, is it going to play or not? So then you start clicking buttons. It starts turning on and off. But regardless, here we are. Myself, Eric, how's your day going? It's wonderful. That is, these are incredible first world problems. But that is like, <laughs> that is like when you're when you're doing this, you know, multiple times a week, it is absolutely terrifying and like you said, it, the level of panic is like I'm trying to I'm trying to describe it. You know, uh, uh, I can't think of an analogy off the top of my head, but like it's it's so meaningless, like in the grand scheme of life. But in that moment, you're like, my world is ending. This is over. I'm so embarrassed by this. And it, like I said, it, it's absolutely nothing. But you're just like, you know, please work. Please, God, work. <laughs> It's dropping like a, a, a plastic water bottle that's fully sealed, right? And you still panic to catch it. It doesn't yes. matter. Nothing's going to happen. Yes. But you still try to catch it because that's just instinctively what you do. And so you start trying to fix things and you make it worse. But here we are on a Tuesday night. I'm wearing a beanie for what I think is the last time for a few months because it's starting to get <laughs> real warm out, which means that football's starting to come. And we are going to talk about the first three rounds of these best ball drafts and we're going to hit on some interesting names. We hit on some of these players last night and it made me go look up a few things, particularly with some of the running backs. So we put Tony Pollard on the cover and I kind of wanted to dig into his injury a little bit more to see if that is a concern we should have based on the stuff about Brees Hall and stuff. But what I found is we basically have nothing to worry about in terms of this injury at all i'm not sure if you looked into this at all yourself not was, not too deeply not too deeply so it's a broken fibula um or tibula whichever one's in the leg one of those bones that was broken <laughs> he already had surgery for it in january the recommended time 
before you can start running again is 12 weeks, which we've already passed at this point. The Cowboys paid him a lot of money. They're still hoping to extend him long term. It just seems like, you know, with barring any like crazy, crazy setbacks, it's all systems go for Tony Pollard. So it's making me feel real good about how much I've been smashing him in these drafts. And now I'm like, eh, I'm just going to do it even more. Yeah, he's he's um, obviously he like you said, he's the he's the poster boy. But I think he's a great kind of uh, a, a poster boy. He's kind of a, almost where you start. I think some of this conversation, particularly as it pertains to like second, third round, the first round is maybe a little bit more straightforward mm-hmm. to to most people. But Pollard is kind of uh, the the leader of this group that is, I'll call them second round players, but a ginormous tier in that to me in like the, almost the late first, really, um, maybe say pick 10, 11, depending upon exactly how you feel about the late first round all the way down through early to even sometimes mid second where that's where I do think this, this conversation is, is important. I think some of the ADP might shake up a little bit over the course of the summer. We still have some free agents. Of course, there may be some injuries. There may be some news that changes things, but I think it's important that we had this conversation now and really dug into not just like, right. Who our favorite players are because that's important. But at the end of the day, that's a little bit of personal preference. I think sometimes we get a little uh, over aggressive, I guess I would say, but definitely overconfident in our ability to decipher between elite fantasy players. And so I don't think this whole conversation is just like you have to draft Tony Pollard. You have to draft Brees Hall or Nick Chubb or and I like all these guys. Not as much Brees. I know we talked about that yesterday. So go watch that show if you want some Jets and Brees conversation. But Right, like deciphering between Tyreek Hill and Cooper Cup to me is a little bit of a fool's errand. Um, you can determine how much of each guy you want to take, right? What kind of teams you want to draft them on, who you want to draft them with, and all of that is extremely important. But I think wading our way through not just like draft this guy, fade this guy, particularly this year. And I think that's the big theme for me is that even last year where we continue to get a more efficient market, particularly in best ball on underdog, right? A very uh, smart group of drafters in these, in these streets. But last year there was quite a few guys. I actually thought like that were first round, second round guys that I didn't know really deserve to be there that much. I think the market has shifted drastically and some people are a little bit shocked by that. And Pollard is a great, as the dogs are playing behind me, Pollard is kind of a, a guy, Brees, Ramondre, these guys who maybe were more of third round-ish or even fourth round picks historically, or, or excuse me, were uh, like one, two turn-ish picks who are now going at the two, three turn while the wide receivers, right? These, these good Lord, these second, <laughs> these second wide receivers, one second. Yeah. So what I'll, what I'll say is going off of some of the stuff that you brought up is when we're talking about like, just don't draft this player or draft this player. It's the context of the way the draft is going this year. So to that point, if you're taking the second, third round running backs with the way the, the wide receivers are going off the board, it really, really like, impacts what you can do later in the draft starting 
generally around that sixth round. That's where it gets like, like the fifth round yeah. already starts to get dicey in these drafts with wide receiver. The sixth round feels like we're already like dart throwing. Whereas in years past, it might've been the 10th, the 11th round, ninth round where we felt like the wide receivers fell off a bit more. Maybe last year was like the eighth or so. I, I still remember being really confident in the seventh round last year because I was either smashing Devonta Smith or Christian Kirk and felt great about it every single draft. You know, Devonta Smith was a seventh round. Like, 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 yeah. Think about that. He he now goes late second, as I believe. You know, late second, two, three turn, whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. as I believe he should. Same thing. J- Jalen Waddle didn't go in the seventh, but let's call it the fourth or the three four turn. Now he's mid second round. Yep. That what you were saying about those later picks is this conversation about the first three rounds. We can't, we often do, and I fall in, who doesn't? We're human. We fall into this trap of saying, Tony, I think Tony, and I I kind of do think Tony Pollard is a little more of a one-two turn pick, a late, late first rounder almost. Mm -hmm. But like, it's not just Tony Pollard being a late first rounder. I have to take him in every draft because there's 18 picks. And there's all of that. Like if I get to the fifth round and I, which I, this is also kind of true. And I don't like wide receivers already in the fifth round. That means something to me in the first three rounds. Right. So maybe I do like Tony Pollard more than Jalen Waddle or whatever. I'm not saying that's right or wrong or, or even necessarily how I feel, but the rest of the draft impacts these first three rounds. And I think we fall into this trap and I've seen a, fair amount of it just like across the space it's may dude we're all just getting into this right so we have everybody's not fully fleshed out but like when you get to that sixth round like you said that seventh round we don't have devonta smith anymore we don't have those guys. Right. We're, we're it 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 gets thin really quickly and quarterbacks are pushed up right we'll t- definitely talk about the quarterbacks with them being in the second round but the the all the quarterbacks got pushed up all the wide receivers got pushed up so naturally running backs have to fall but that doesn't that doesn't just mean because in a vacuum tony pollard is a preferred pick to devonta smith i have to construct the whole team and in best ball specifically i have to draft the whole portfolio of teams right if i'm drafting hundreds or even like 25 50 teams in best ball i'm playing the 20 max on draftkins you can do whatever you want risk management wise. You just want to go all in on Tony Pollard. Have at it, you know, do, go, go have fun. But like you do have to be cognizant of what the rest of the player pool looks like. And so um, I think that's kind of like a good intro to this conversation where it's like, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here telling you, I think Tony Pollard, Pollard in a vacuum is probably undervalued where he goes. He's the poster boy. He, he makes uh, for a really intriguing conversation in these first three rounds, but it can't just be about Tony Pollard, versus Jalen Waddle or right. Nick Chubb versus Devonta Smith. It's a, you have to take a whole macro approach to that draft, to the whole player pool and to how you want to put together an entire por- portfolio of teams. Yeah. It's just, it becomes the roster construction. Yes. Tony Pollard's a great pick. Yes. Ramondre Stevenson's a great pick. We know all those guys are like fantastic picks, but how does it impact your roster build? And it's not even just for running back and wide receiver, because let's say, let's just say for the hell of it, you take a, uh, jamar chase right and then you double tap tony pollard and ramondre stevenson that's your two three turn so now you've gone jamar chase tony pollard ramondre stevenson as your first three picks and that's what we're talking about the first three rounds this today and how that impacts the rest of your draft it makes it a hell of a lot harder to take a quarterback now i don't think you can touch tight end for a while so it doesn't just impact the the like 
elite skill positions of running back and wide receiver. But now you got to load up at wide receiver probably the next three rounds in general, and you can make adjustments to this as you go. But once you take a quarterback, like if you do decide to do that, Trevor Lawrence, Calvin Ridley stack that we were talking about yesterday after going with double RB, yeah, Chase Calvin Ridley feels great, but who's your third wide receiver going to be? Probably someone okay. But that fourth, fifth wide receiver, now you're talking about Darnell Mooney as your fifth wide receiver <laughs> a lot of times. And I, I don't mind Darnell Mooney. Like, that's not a knock on him. He's still a guy that I'm tapping. But it gets a lot more sketchy when you're Dar- when Darnell Mooney's your fifth instead of your sixth or seventh wide receiver. And you have to count on him a little bit more than you did as a, as a sixth or seventh round or sixth or seventh pick on your team. So I think that is the, um, to me, with the first three rounds, like the ultimate number one thing you need to be considering for your roster construction as you go forward. Yeah, ab- absolutely. I think that basically the two pillars of how you approach drafts right now are how you're handling wide. And I think this is kind of has been the case the last couple of years, whether people would like to admit it or not. The wide receiver thing is not just a bit. Of course, we like to joke around about running backs and wide receivers, but the market where the market has truly gotten the most efficient, in my opinion, relative to how it's been in the past is at wide receiver, particularly this year. Like last year, if you thought it was bad this year, in terms of like how quickly it falls off this year is like, that on Barry Bonds level steroids like the, it is it is crazy how fast it falls out uh, some of the people in the chat are throwing out some of those like mid-ish rounds round wide receivers and I like some of those guys you mentioned Tony in the chat uh, Josh has mentioned Gabe who I'm going to draft again as well please God don't trade for don't trade for uh, DeAndre DeAndre Hopkins uh, and I, I really like Hollywood again like I said Rob mentioned Kadarius Tony but there's only a few of them, right? Uh, I also agree with Mike that on DK, especially Deontay Johnson does go pretty late. If you watch the very first DraftKings draft that Rob and I did, and it's posted on the YouTube on our, our YouTube channel that you can go watch later, we actually drafted Deontay Johnson and talked him up quite a bit on, on DraftKings. But on underdog, you know, Deontay's okay. Like, I don't hate him where he goes, but I don't love him. And it's that's that's the point is that Devonta Smith won the Heisman. <laughs> and was on an Eagles offense that everyone was excited for, right? Mm-hmm. Especially after they traded after they traded for AJ Brown. That was the level of wide receiver we were getting in the seventh. Remember a, mo- a few years ago um, when Diggs got traded to the Bills. That was like where you're getting Stefan Diggs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Stefan Stefan Diggs is going in has gone in the first round for multiple years now, as he should. Mm-hmm. I know, right? It was new team. We we didn't know who Josh Allen was exactly just yet, but. Think about how good Stefan Diggs was. That's not the type of player we're talking about at wide receiver in those ranges anymore. You can squint and and you can like these guys, and I do like some of them. But this, it, those, none of those guys have like, in my personal opinion, um, I will eat my L next time this year or or mid year if I'm wrong. None of those guys have like this Cooper Cup level legendary season in them. These guys are role players on your fantasy team, right? They these guys are not. Devonta Smith level breakout who goes to the second round next year. Like I was drafting Gabe last year. I like Hollywood. I like Deontay. I like Tony. I like, are they going to be second round picks next year? I, I don't even really see that in the range of outcomes, maybe like the 99th percentile, yeah. but it's not really there. And so take, you have to take all that into account. You combine it with the quarterbacks, right? 
tight end has actually gotten pushed down a little bit, so that might offset it a smidge other than Travis Kelsey. But quarterbacks, right? Three in the second round, Lamar in the third, Fields-ish in the third, Burrow up there, Lawrence up there. Deshaun Watson was one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL last year, and we're taking him in the sixth round, seventh round. You know, It's just kind of crazy. There's a bunch more quarterbacks going earlier. You have to take all that into account before you say even – how am I attacking these first three rounds? Which is of course what we're going to get into the rest of the show. But I think it was important to be like, when, like when I, when I start to talk about some of these things and I might say, Oh, shocker, Eric's like likes wide receivers. It's not just because I like, I don't actually like Jalen Waddle more than Tony Pollard, but we need to have conversations like that. And then how you're putting your teams together because of how the rest of the draft looks. I don't want Deontay Johnson as my wide receiver too, right? God forbid you take an elite quarterback and a couple early running backs. Maybe you dip your toes into George Kittle or something. Now you got Gabe Davis wide receiver too. Like, I'm sorry. I don't, I don't, I don't want that. I don't want Darnell Mooney wide receiver three or four, because I'm not, I'm not certain you can win one of these best ball tournaments that way. Yeah. One of my favorite comments in in the chat right now is how Deontay Johnson is going to have positive touchdown regression. Well, positive touchdown regression for Deontay Johnson this year is one touchdown. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I'm not, not trying to make fun of you, Mike, but it's just like, yeah, he is going to score a touchdown this year you would you would assume so um but that's... that would be some legendary shit if he did if he did not score a touchdown again this year <laughs> by the way. yeah it would be it would be i i would love it i actually kind of want to bet on it right like yeah i just want to go go to a sports book and be like can i just bet five dollars on deontay johnson not scoring a touchdown again this year <laughs> just whatever odds you want to give me that make roughly any sense i'll take but it's yeah, gotta let's... be it's gotta be massive, right? You got that that's a that's gotta be a, a big a big win. We should be able to like max BBM with a Deontay Johnson to not score a touchdown for two straight two straight seasons. Right. And now I actually have Gotham trying to play with me, um, which See? usually does not happen on streams, but like here we he are. Heard, he heard the goddamn uh, <laughs> uh shit show going on behind me, and now of course they're they're all they're all tired, so they've switched they've switched roles. Um I, I want to. I would do want to start talking about the the first three rounds. Sure, and what I wanted yes. to kind. Of, what I wanted to kind of ask you as we start um, with these first three rounds. I want to start at the top of the first round. Shocker, right? But to me, there is. This is the easiest part of the draft, which it usually is. But last year was actually at least a remotely interesting conversation. I thought in the top three to five or whatever. Like mm. Jonathan Taylor was going first for most of last year, if everyone remembers. And I don't think that that was, we don't usually get the 101 being up for debate, actually. It doesn't happen very often. And I think it was last year. Yeah. Um, whether whether, last year. whether you preferred CMC or you preferred Cooper Cup or, right, Jefferson ended up flipping Cup because of the Stafford injury. Jamar Chase, there were multiple options I thought were viable. Travis, I think you could have probably made an argument for Travis Kelsey, even at the 101 last year, certainly in like Superflex or something. This year, I'm not saying there's not a debate for 101, but I do think Justin Jefferson is pretty clearly the the 101. And then I also think there's a top five. You can order them however you want, but I, in my opinion, there is a top five, maybe top six, depending upon how you feel about Kelsey. If Kelsey were like two years younger, it probably wouldn't be a debate. It is Justin Jefferson, mm-hmm. Christian McCaffrey, Jamar Chase, Tyree Kill, and Cooper Cup. And and. I would listen to people that maybe wanted to throw someone else in there, Kelsey, Eckler, whatever. That's fine. But to me, 
it's a very clear top five. And so again, that informs the rest of how we, we draft these, these first three rounds as well. If I know that my top five is locked in and I'm not getting cute there, I think that that's like, like I said, a really important factor into how you handle these first three rounds. And of course, how you handle, you know, the entirety of the draft. Well, I don't think it's quite as simple as that this year as, and I want it to be, but if you remember last year, I was taking Jamar chase sometimes at one-on-one overall. I, I was mixing that one-on-one up quite a bit. I can't imagine I'm going to do it this year. It's going to be Justin Jefferson pretty much every time that's, 90% of the time, the only way you're going to get your exposure to them, you're going to have a couple people that take CMC one overall, which was a thought I was workshopping right when drafts opened this year, like a month or two ago. But when you see the way the wide receivers were going, I quickly threw that out the window. Like <laughs> it, it just, you can't do it in my opinion. And it went from me trying to be overweight on CMC to, I don't know how often I'll be drafting CMC this year because of the wide receiver window and it's like the thought experiment becomes and we'll talk a little more about this when we hit second third round but just to emphasize if you take cmc in the first right you're taking like chris olave jalen waddle as your second wide receiver and then you can olave i see a lot olave is a kind of that guy that just falls right into that you know you're like oh i can't take another running back olave is the best guy available yeah, so it's so then the thought experiment comes. Would you prefer having CMC, Chris Olave? Nothing wrong with Olave, by the way. I do like him. Or would you rather have Jamar Chase, Tony Pollard, Jamar Chase, Ramondre Stevenson, you know, Jamar Chase, Brees Hall, if you still like Brees Hall? I, I mean, to me, it's a no-brainer to if you want to go wide receiver running back. It is so easy to do the the Jamar Chase experiment at the 102. And also now you are upping your Jamar Chase ownership again, like I was talking about last year. So mm-hmm. you're you're up to you know 12, 13, 14% Jamar Chase. You are reduced on CMC, which I don't love, but just the, the combinations of the players you're getting. So I'm indirectly kind of fading CMC this year. It's not intentional in terms of like, I want, like, I'm not like, you should never draft CMC in drafts because he's the worst running back in the NFL. <laughs> um, it's because of the way my team comes out. And it even if you go wide receiver, wide receiver, you're talking Chase, Waddle, DK Metcalf, Chase, Waddle, Alave. Like, it's, it's a, a pretty sick wide receiver room yes. to go there. So, when it comes to the top few picks, and I'm with you, I'm not taking Kelsey really at the four or five turn. I'm cup over hill right now. So my cup ownership's probably going to be over hills a bit. And call me, um, you know, a tinfoil hat wearing guy. But when Hill comes out and he's talking already talking about his retirement, I get nervous. Like when a player starts talking about they're getting ready to retire. It's like, dude, he's not playing for a contract anymore, if that's what he's saying. And not that he's not a great football player, but, you know, I just, I don't know. That that stuff just always gets me a little a little nervous. So I'm, I'm a little more cup than Hill. And now we're talking about the top five picks. And now I'm concentrating my top five on three different players. My Jefferson exposure should relatively be even. 
my Jamar Chase ownership should be up, and my Cooper Cup ownership should be up. So I get to bet on three of the five players that I actually like. Right. right, more than the field, you're right. still getting your your right, and maybe maybe you're under on CMC. Pray he falls a little bit, but um, it's not like you're going to have zero of those guys. And again, all, how you handle exactly your exposure, I think, is something that um, I hate to be like preachy about. It comes sometimes it'll nat- that's just naturally how it goes because I have a belief in that there is no edge necessarily in a vacuum in saying I'm going to take all, all Jamar chase and all and zero Justin Jefferson. Like I know that you did last year, last year was a little bit different. Um, we have another season of, uh, of, of, of data and Justin Jefferson was Justin Jefferson last year, but that is a personal risk and portfolio management preference. That is that is not like necessarily you right. There are levers we can pull to gain edges in 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 best ball, uh, and that changes every single year. Whether it's roster construction, whether it is an individual player, um, those kinds of things. But generally speaking, just saying I'm going to take this bet of I'm gonna I'm gonna only draft Jamar Chase and not Justin Jefferson is really just taking a high variance, high risk approach to your mm-hmm. portfolio, which is totally fine, right? Like, dude, I come from DFS. That's how I play DFS actually <laughs> is like, well, I'm just going to like, if I'm, if I multi-enter a DFS slate, I usually go in, I'm like, I'm going to play a hundred percent Mahomes stacks today. And if it fails, it fails. If it wins, I'm going to have a bunch of teams that have a shot. Right. And so that's a totally fine approach. It's just the DFS. I can do it again every day. When I lose, I can play the show. I can chase my losses in the showdown slate, you know, in best ball. I can't, I can't quite do that. So it's just a personal risk preference thing, as opposed to like, I think sometimes people will come in and say, Oh, I believe uh, to the the Tyreek example, like pound the table. You have to take Cooper cup over Tyreek. It's like, you can have that thought, but it's not really an edge because at the end of the day, the real math is that they're both awesome. They both could be the guy you need. They both could be the wide receiver one. Frankly, halfway through the season, they were. We, we look back and we see what Justin Jefferson did. Cup and Tyreek were the top two fantasy wide receivers through like 10 weeks last mm-hmm. year. And, and, and not just in fantasy points, in like usage, targets, air yards, absolutely everything. And so it's like we have to that's, that's also kind of an important thing of the first few rounds is you can have your preferences. You can manage your teams. However, the heck you want to do it as you should. We're doing this for fun, right? We're, we're sickos and we're trying to win money, but also like if you're, if you're drafting now, you're, you're listening to fantasy football content in, in may clearly you enjoy this. So do it how you, how you will most enjoy it, but also understand that like again, Jalen Waddle versus Tony Pollard in a vacuum is not an edge. It is a coin flip, basically. Right. You know, so right. just under just understand that it's a portfolio type of thing, and and we'll definitely talk about some of that. How I personally want to handle my portfolio. How you right, you may want to take like last year more Jamar Chase. Um, I'm pretty much just kind of peanut, but I think I'm going to get more Cup because I'm just a little higher. Like I have him ranked third. I'm not going to take him third probably, um, and I'm going to get less CMC. To your point, my personal approach is going to be exactly what you just said. Probably going to be under CMC. I'm going to just because of ADP, I'm going to have a little more cup and I'm probably going to be right about the field of Tyreek Jefferson and chase. And then I'm going to try to win it elsewhere, which 
fading CMC, you know, or being under on CMC is not a very fun feeling, but it's just, I only have so many teams to draft and that's how I prefer to do it. But I'm not going to sit here and say fade, you know, pound the table, create a YouTube video that says you have to fade Christian McCaffrey this year in best ball. Like I don't, I don't right. think that that's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it does. You guys see that short come out. Yeah. Don't, don't stress yeah, the, it. It's probably we, just me. We got many days of shorts to create for the next few months. <laughs> I imagine we'll run into the you have to fade CMC one at some point, but you obviously get get what I'm saying, and that's a really important note. And I wanted to talk about it as it relates to the top five because yeah. I think I think we can do a lot of things after the top five where we can maybe start to pull some levers that are actually creating some edges or at least doing something to try to get a tactical advantage. Whereas in the top five, like we all have preferences, but. I don't really think it's like any substantial edge on the field in that top five. Yeah. And just to, to round out this argument and kind of finish it up the chase Jefferson thing last year, if you took chase before Jefferson, you were still going to be in enough drafts where, so I did that in every draft for let's say best ball mania. And I think my Jamar chase ownership was something around 17%, but I still had 6% of Justin Jefferson for the drafts that he fell after Jamar chase. So I was getting like a ADP difference. So my Jamar chase teams that were 6% were still a little different than everybody else's Jamar chases teams when he was taken, you know, a pick or two earlier. So that, that was last year. You can't do that this year. You take Jamar chase one, you're never going to get Justin Jefferson after Jamar chase, right? Like it's going to be, it's going to be like a 99 out of a hundred chance. Basically I've seen it. I've seen it one time and yeah. all the drafts I've done so far. So a couple times that, on DraftKings, right. You might get, you know, you know how DraftKings goes. Yeah. You might get it a couple times on DraftKings, but it ain't happening on underdog. So that's, that's not a, that's not in the, in the equation this year. What is in the equation is the Cooper cup one. So you can take Cooper cup before Tyreek Hill. And guess what? You're going to be in enough drafts that Tyreek Hill actually goes before Cooper uh, or whatever the the vice versa so that you're still getting both so it's it's understanding how people are drafting it's understanding what you're looking to do and it's understanding what you want to be overweight underweight on but most importantly it's about what your roster construction is going to be with those top five or six picks and actually the first 10 picks I think because I think it's pretty clear that you have to go wide receiver unless it's CMC in the first 10 picks. Like if you want to take CMC, fine, that's fine. But other than that, those first, it might even be more than the first 10. It might be the first 12, you know, like the first round, you might just have to pound wide receiver Yeah. and there's different ways to do it or whatever, but it, it just feels like that's kind of what's lining up to this year. And it's crazy. Cause you think five years ago, eight, nine of the t- first 12 picks probably would have been running backs. It just it's just yeah. the way that it used to be. Now and we your barely home have are still gonna be like that too. We barely have one in the first round. You might have you'll definitely have some drafts, right? Obviously, some of us and some of our friends, uh friends and family drafts where you might only get Christian McCaffrey in the in the first round. So it's a it's a very uh uh stark difference. I do just want to put a bow on it with Lions comment. It's risky to not this is uh, a totally true statement and kind of what we were trying to outline. It's risky not to diversify your early round picks, right? And that's kind of what I was saying. If they're all the same, all you're you're not doing anything to necessarily gain an edge. You're just in- introducing more risk and more variance. 
but more variance and more risk can create a payoff if that risk hits, right? Yeah. You're, you also have that risk of ruin. You could literally go to zero in best ball, mm -hmm. but I, I think that's a personal risk preference approach. Um, he's saying, you know, it, it's very risky, not necessarily that rewarding. It's that that's the difficult part is it can be very rewarding, right? Because the results are so binary, right? If we get the Justin Jefferson outcome versus Jamar Chase uh, last year, Justin Jefferson was great for the whole regular season. He, his advance rate was great, but he tanked in the playoffs. He was the highest owned player in the finals. He was horrible. What did he have? Two catches or something like yeah, that. I think in, week 15, he was great, but then I think yeah. 16, 17, 16, he was, he was fine. And then the championship game, he was like a ghost on the field completely yeah. did not show up for that game. Yep. He was on two of my uh, three finals teams. So I, Remember it quite clearly, <laughs> quite, quite clear. Jalen Hurts, Jalen Hurts, you know, uh, injured Justin Jefferson, like God. goose egg. Uh, the finals last year were an epic, epic shit show. But let's let's talk a little bit about um, that second half of the first round. I think that'll bleed into um, kind of our second and and third round picks. I do agree that I think that the first round. I'm going to pull up the ADP. Um, but what's your just general first gut takes kind of beyond that top five and in the second half of the first round? I actually really like as much as I hate drafting in the middle of drafts, like it's kind of the bane of my existence. I really hate that six, seven, eight, nine range when I'm drafting. But in fairness, you're still getting Stefan Diggs. You're getting AJ Brown uh, to Travis's point. If you like Bijan in that range, you can get them in that range and still get some decent, you know, wide receivers on the comeback for the middle of the second round. And Travis is kind of right. I'm not fading Bijan, but I'm not like I'm not salivating at the mouth when like everybody else is to get Bijan Robinson. I love when someone comes up and takes him fourth overall and I'm behind that player. I'm like, great. That just gives me one of these other guys that I really want another shot on goal for them. So to me, it's it's AJ Brown quite a bit in that in that range. I think I'm AJ Brown over Diggs, but it's that's one of those razor thin ones where I'll still probably grab digs before Brown a lot, just to, just to get my exposure on both players around where I want it. But that, that range is great. That's the cup range too, right? Like it, it is, it's a phenomenal range. That first six, seven, eight picks is way better than the first eight picks last year. There was a top five last year. It does feel like, I know there are different tiers in the top eight, nine players this year, but there does feel like a top, nine and then it craters at for me it craters at that Devonte adams line that Devonte eckler taylor line is where everything looks like it's this big tear separation versus like a, a minuscule one for the for the players before that i'm not sure how you feel about that yeah i think i think so too um this is th this is one of those have to separate your you know uh football takes from and the the results of this player's career from what you kind of believe in what he projects in this upcoming season. And I think when you get to Devontae Adams, 10th overall, we're kind of just throwing him in there because of his track record and because he's an awesome, awesome football player and he was awesome again last year. But uh, it, it stuck out to me, a uh, friend of the show, Tom, Tom I'm going to screw up your name, so I totally apologize. But uh, our friend from across the pond, Tom Strachan, I believe, uh, is is his last name. He uh, posted a really interesting uh, tweet today that really kind of 
summarized my concerns with Devontae Adams being that Jimmy Garoppolo is now the is now the quarterback. I think everybody uh, probably knows my thoughts on Jimmy that has watched the show before. If you mm-hmm. are tuning in, if you are tuning in for the first time, not a Jimmy G fan, not a Jimmy G fan at all uh, in terms of a real life football player or, or for fantasy. He's now the, the quarterback Devonte Adams over the last, it was four or five years has uh, what Tom classified as like a deep target. I don't remember what the yardage number was right at 25, 30 yards down the field it was averaging like 30 plus deep targets a season. Some, some wide receivers barely get 30 targets. This dude's getting 30 plus 30 <laughs> yard targets yeah. a season. He's a downfield player. I know he's awesome everywhere, but he really makes his hay down the field for fantasy. Jimmy Garoppolo has never thrown more than 30 deep targets in a season total to all of his wide receivers. Kind of impressive. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't even know how you play that long without throwing the ball down the field ever. But Devontae averages basically more deep targets than Jimmy has ever thrown in a season in his career. So we have a kind of a convergence of very opposing styles from the new quarterback with this superstar wide receiver. You combine it with the fact that they just removed all of the downfield juice in the entire offense besides Devontae, right? They brought in Jacoby Myers um, and they still have Hunter Renfro and then a rookie tight end. I just have general concerns about Devontae and we have this big tier in my opinion after I, I actually, I kind of put Bijan much closer to that tier than I do. I, I think we're just pushing Bijan up because of everything we talked about with the top X amount of picks where mm-hmm. nobody really knows what to do after Kelsey and cup. It's like, of course, we like Diggs. We like Brown. I prefer those two guys. But it's like, well, Bijan should probably smash, right? He's the best, one of the best running back prospects ever. Looks, you know, top 10 pick, looks great. So let's just lump him in here. But I think kind of all these guys have their varying levels levels of concerns. And I'll probably still take uh, some Bijan just because I'm not going to be stubborn about it, even though I'm probably a little lower than market. He's ranked a little lower than market in the Spike Week rankings. But Devante is where I start to like really struggle with with these guys, and I've started to consider pulling up Eckler, pulling up uh, uh, whether it's JT or Saquon or someone like that, and pulling those guys up a little bit into that back half of the first round. It could be Pollard, it could be some of these other wide receivers, right? We scroll down the list just a smidge. You see Amon Ra, who I also don't totally love on underdog but the same thing i'm not going to be super stubborn about him because of this this tier i just think this is where the draft gets really really interesting uh kind of beyond Diggs and aj brown because everybody i can see the bull case for all these guys eckler Devonte, jt garrett wilson etc but i can make very i could make a very strong argument against all these guys as well so this is where i think things get a little uh hairy if you will in the top three rounds I agree. And my question for you is, we kind of talked about this real quickly yesterday. So what I, I've been doing a little bit of, not every time, is that 10th, 11th, 12th pick, I just go off the board sometimes, quote unquote, off the board, meaning I'm scrolling down to like Amon Ra or one of the quarterbacks or Pollard. And I'm like, well, what if I want Barkley Pollard or something like that? Like if I want to start running back, running back, maybe I want a Barkley Pollard because no one else is really doing it. Or what if I want Chubb Pollard, right? We talk about how great Chubb and Pollard are in the back of the second round. I know Taylor profiles a little bit better than those two theoretically, but that's to me, that's, that's apples to apples right there. They're, they're right in that same, that same basket. 
So when you're getting like a Chubb Pollard thing that no one else is trying to do because they're like, oh, well, he goes late second round. I can't take him here. Why can't you? I mean, why can't you in that spot? We're not talking about leaping them up over, you know, CMC or or Jamar Chase or Justin Jefferson. We're talking guys that probably have a same or close projection as as them. And now you're getting gigantic leverage on the field, right? So why not do stuff like that? So it's it's what I've been flirting with quite a bit in some of these cheaper tournaments, but I think it's going to bleed over to the higher buy-in stuff like the 25s and the 20s and you know the $10 like the main tournaments and hell I'm going to be doing a little bit more of the of the of the the big buy-in stuff this year. I might even do it there if I get a late round pick because then I have a gigantic leverage cuz even less total teams even right. less total teams with that those those combinations. Yep. Yeah, and if I get a if I get a Chubb Pollard team through or you know like a Amon Ra Chubb team through who the hell else is going to have that team? Feels great, right? So that's that's kind of what I'm looking at at the late first round. That is going to be one of like my staples this year. Exactly what Bucks said. The late draft pick. It does feel right. You feel like you're you're you got to dig out of a hole mm-hmm. to catch up to the again. Depending upon how you feel about Kelsey, AJ Brown, Diggs, uh, Bijan, you have the 10, 11, 12 pick you feel like you are chasing points, you know what I mean? Against those top guys. Cause they are so much better. And what we actually had, a, it's funny. We, we didn't know that we were going to talk about this today. And then we had an awesome, uh, there was a great conversation last night in the discord, which of course, again, if you're not in there, there's a link to our free discord in the description of this video. We talked about basically this, Basically, this exact situation where you get to this part of the draft and the unique combos. This is, again, if you're watching on YouTube or if you're listening to the audio, you see a a sicko emblem at the top here. These are the kinds of things that we're going to be talking about on this channel. We're going to be diving into the the really kind of sick strategies that are a little bit uh, more off the board as opposed to just sticking to ADP. And taking the same combinations at the one-two turn that everyone else is doing, right? Oh, you took Devante, and then who lines up with Devante? Amonra, mm-hmm. right? You take Devante Amonra, Devante Saquon, uh, JT Garrett Wilson. You take the same combination of players that everyone else takes there. It is if that tier, if you maybe you like these guys more than we do. There's someone in this, right? You say no, I don't agree with you about Devonte. He's definitely better, or uh, I think Garrett Wilson is definitely better. That's totally fine. But mm-hmm. if you agree with us that there's this gigantic tier, which to me, let's just let's just for for argument's sake, let's just say it goes down to Devonta Smith. Let's say T T is the, the next tier. I'm just using that as a, as a reference point. Yeah, we go we go from Devonte at ten to Devonta Smith at 24 overall, right? So there's a more than a more than an entire round of players that are the same. So at that point, if you agree that they are all the same, they're the same bet. It is basically a free roll to say I'm going to take the guys that no one else is taking together at that point because 
they're all the same. Why would I take the same, right? If, if 10% of teams are all going to be this one combination and 1% of teams are going to be the combination of the other and all the players are the same, right? I like to call them chess pieces. They're all knights. <laughs> These are all knights on your chessboard. I want the two knights that nobody's using together right yeah. as opposed to using the same knights that everyone that everyone else is using together because it's there's no loss i'm not losing projection i'm not losing upside i'm only gaining uniqueness over over everybody else and these are the you know people some and myself included sometimes will maybe misuse the uniqueness idea or whatever but these are these are the uniqueness situations where it matters flat tier everybody's the same if you're just going to Take guys in the same tier. Take the guys that no one is taking together, just like you said. So let's pull Pollard up a little bit, right? Let's take Saquon and Pollard at the one-two turn. I got the 11th pick or the 12th pick. Like, Mm -hmm. Saquon versus JT is no different to me. I would probably make a case that Saquon might be better. You could. And Pollard versus JT, frankly, is not that different. So if they're not that different, let's figure out how to find these combinations of those guys that are just not going to be as popular as as the other ones and it's generally right let's take one guy kind of ahead of adp and then another guy you know just in a in a range where they just never go together and in, in a little bit we'll pull up we we can obviously show you our models projections for how often players are drafted together but i think that's the big lesson for me specifically here we talked about the first round we talked about the top five we talked about the nuance of the whole draft this part of the, the top three rounds like that whole flat tier is the story to me Yeah, I agree. I I think it's the flat tier. And I think that is the conversation for the second round is how do you get slightly unique or how do you develop your strategy for your roster going forward through the second round? Because I I think it just, I mean, it's kind of a cop out to say this. It lays out the rest of your draft because of course it does, right? (laughs) Every year it's going to lay out the rest of your draft. But when I say it, I mean it in terms of what's going to happen in the next four rounds. Because after the next four rounds, it, it feels like a bunch of dart throws at the moment. So it, it really, you really need to get these first three rounds right so that you can get the next four rounds right. So that then you can just start throwing your darts all around the board, basically, for the most part. And that's not 100% true for every single spot, but for the most part, I think round seven, round eight comes up. You're starting, you're starting to throw some darts and there's some darts that we really want to throw. For me, it's like Alexander Madison, like in that in that seventh, eighth round range, Tony. But I am aware that those are still massive dart throws. We're still throwing darts there. So, yep, a hundred, a hundred percent. And that that's the part of kind of what we talked about with the, that top five is like we all have our guys, mm-hmm. right? But it's and that's good. It's okay to have guys that you prefer and conviction about players. And again, going to the fun and going to like, right, like, dude, I'm not going to draft. Look, I'm, I'm trying to win. I'm trying to find all these edges and all that. But at the end of the day, I'm not going to draft a bunch of dudes that I don't want to draft, like, and put all my money into this if I'm not going to have as much fun. Dra- right? The whole Gabe thing, the Darrington, right? I drafted a bunch of Darrington fucking Evans. I was like, DM- I was literally DMing Darrington on Twitter. I was trying to find his, like, manager and agent and stuff because he, <laughs> he's a streamer. He streams uh, video games. But I'm like, you know, like that's that, that it was fun. It was a fun bit. So I'm willing to put my money behind that. But like, I was also well aware Darrington versus Samaj P. Ryan was no different. It wasn't any different. I just enjoyed that more. But you also have to be able to acknowledge that, right? Like you said, 
I prefer Tony too. I, I really like Tony as well this year, but I'm also willing to acknowledge that like, that doesn't mean necessarily that Tony is a better bet than Deontay, right? If someone said, I prefer Deontay, I would say, fine, that's, mm-hmm. that's totally fine. And so that's a, a just a big thing to kind of uh, keep in mind. Uh, I do want to hit go Blore says, or asks, has anyone analyzed the final teams to see how often low owned start combo showed up? So part of this is a sampling issue. It's a little bit of the chicken or the egg thing. If no one is drafting the low-owned combos, right. any combination of player is already unlikely to show up. And if they, and if there's almost none of those teams in the in the player in the in the whole you know drafted pool, it's hard to you know it's hard to draw from the the results. You know what I mean? That's why we're trying to project it forward a little bit and talking about the flat tiers and where this matters and stuff. So, um, I would I would guess that there's some. Some I haven't dug into this to be fair, uh, but I would guess that there are some forms of unique combinations that show up there to the finals. But it's very difficult to kind of go back and and re-engineer um, that process. And, it, and, and it's I, hard to get to the finals. You got to remember that it is hard to get to the finals. What we're looking at is getting to the playoffs, and you're facing everyone that has Jefferson, Tony Pollard, right? Like that's the that's the combo they went for. But your Tony Pollard is paired with Saquon Barkley, and you're the only one in your pod that has that. So yeah, you can just X out Tony Pollard because he he was like, let's just say he's the guy you needed, right? Just Pollard was the guy you needed. But everyone had him with Jefferson because they went first. Jefferson, they did the the standard strategy. But here you are with Saquon Pollard. You already have a, a extreme advantage if Jefferson busts. And half the field has Jefferson Pollard or like a, a quarter even. You've already vaulted over like those four teams most likely because your combination is better. Now, everybody can bust. There is those elements too. But you're just looking for that edge, right? Well, we'll go back to the finals two years ago. Everyone had Mark Andrews. Mark Andrews busted in the finals. So uh, it's not it's not the same comparison. I'm just stating when everybody has something and it busts and you're the one who's who's different, your odds just go up like tremendously versus those players. It's um, so I'm going to the, this article and shout out to hacker for helping me with the data on this article is actually kind of talking about what you just talked about and what we've talked about here with the unique combinations. And it was uh, uh, from two years ago. The, the premise was, as you see here, double stacking expensive offenses as the playoff leverage, but the actual, the, the same thing actually rings true in terms of the, the player combinations. Cause that's all it was. Long, super, super long story short. Uh, this was a fun article to write, and I think it was really thought provoking. So go give it a read if you get up, if you get a second. But the general thesis was, if you remember, again, two years ago, Jamar Chase was the guy you needed, and it wasn't the Mike Evans guy you needed, where nobody had him, but he was low owned, relatively speaking, in the in the final. Let me find the the data here. So in week seventeen, Joe Burrow was sixteen percent, as you see here. Joe Burrow was 16%. Jamar Chase was 6%. So uh, 10 or 15 teams, give or take, with, with Jamar Chase in that final, a little smaller final two years ago. And T, because T exploded in week 16, T was the right. week 16 guy you needed, exploded. He was 25%. He was one of the highest owned players in, in the finals. So you say, okay, well, you know, how do I how do I use that to my advantage? You say, well, no one was drafting the Bengals double stacks. As we see down here, total draft rate of Burrow plus Chase plus T, 0.7% of the entire best ball mania, what was that, two, had that double stack. 
So you show up to the final, right? The Burrow Chase team or the Burrow Higgins stack allowed you to get Jamar Chase into the final because you didn't need his score. T was the wide receiver one and Burrow was the quarterback one in week 16. They got you through into that final. Now you show up with a 6% owned Jamar Chase and boom, because nobody drafted that combination. Bam, Joe Burrow, again, week 17, quarterback one, Jamar Chase, wide receiver one, league winner. Um, you know, I know uh, uh, Liam didn't have that, but this is part of the, we can't just go look at the results because nobody had this. Nobody, there was, there were, there was one out of 160 finals teams with Burrow, Chase, and T, right? And so they just didn't have the rest to, to get, right. you know, they didn't have the all the other players that got them there, Penny, Amon Ra, et cetera. But like, this is it, like, this is that example. It's like all you had to do was draft that one unique combination. And like, honestly, the rest took care of itself. <laughs> you know, you like all you had to do is do that and get lucky on Rashad Penny, Damian Harris, like, boom, dude, you have a, you're, you're like live as hell to win this whole tournament. And so it's one example. Is it likely to play out again? Is it ever likely to, is anything ever likely to play yeah, out? Man. No, of, of course not. But we're drafting a bunch of teams and we should be thinking about these things because when it's right, I want to win the fucking tournament. I don't I, like I, when I'm right, I want to get there and, and ha this builds in that leverage. It built it in. You didn't have to plan for it because you can't, but like, you know, you don't have to figure this stuff out. If you draft that combination and it hits the leverage is off the charts and you have 6% owned Jamar chase in the finals. Right. And you just, you just automatically have massive leverage and you're automatically live to win that 3 million this year. And it's crazy because I was trying to rack my brain and try to remember where they were getting drafted that year. I think T was a third or fourth round pick. I know Chase was going about the fifth round and Burrow was like Chase a fell because he couldn't catch the ball in the preseason. Remember? Right. right. <laughs> he went from a fifth to a sixth, then back up to a fifth and Burrow was going ninth. So you could have got that double stack. Like imagine if I said, all right, you can get Jamar Chase, T Higgins and Joe Burrow for a third, fifth and ninth. You'd be like, sign me up for 150, baby, because I'm doing it on every single team. Seriously. I'll take it for every every roster. Thank you. Goodbye. So yeah, I think it I think it is pretty important in terms of like just getting just getting the unique combinations. When you get to the finals, people are gonna have a lot of the same combos. Especially just, now, it, the finals are huge, man. Yeah. So like if that like you you mentioned Mark Andrews that that year, Justin Jefferson was the highest owned player last year. So it, even if he is the guy, right? It's okay to have it's okay. Like you want to draft good players. Like if you drafted Justin Jefferson last year, you're not no one is saying like don't don't draft the guy that's the best player in fantasy. Like that's absurd. No one's saying don't draft Josh, you know, this year's Josh Jacobs, uh, which is Damian Harris, by the way. Uh, but we but we are we are saying if you do draft Justin Jefferson, right, you hit, you, you were right. You got the team. How do you draft to help set you up to win that final? And these are just little things, right. That you can do across, across your entire portfolio. And that second round to me, like we've talked about, that's like the biggest area that you can, you can kind of flex that muscle in, in all the best ball drafts right now. Yeah, I, I think there's different ways to do it with different players. The the top of the first round, you might decide to do something different in the fifth. You might like two fifth-round picks. And we're going back two years again. The fifth-round wide receivers two years ago were sick. I loved them. It was <laughs> yep. both Bucks wide receivers. It was 
Cooper Cup. I'll be fair. It was Robert Woods in there too because we were <laughs> we were trying to figure that out. It was Jamar Chase. We liked those five wide receivers a lot. And it might have even been DJ Moore, if I remember yep. correctly. Correct. So a lot of teams didn't have two of those wide receivers. And there was a lot of fourth-round wide receivers that we were like kind of eh on in third rounds. Allen Robinson. Even that year, we were like, eh, we kind of like Allen Robinson. So you were just tapping him because he was there. But towards the end of the year, I was like, well, I kind of want unique combos of these wide receivers in the fifth round. So I started pushing some of them up my board. And I didn't check the, the data on which teams advanced, but I guarantee it helped quite a bit to have like a Coop, a Cooper Cup um, Jamar Chase team because it was probably very much not done too often maybe when he fell into the six but it's just you find these little pockets of teams that you like so if you took justin jefferson and you find that there's guys in the fifth round that you like a lot and you want two of them move them up to the fourth who cares like again i don't think there's a massive difference in projection at that point with some of these players so if you like two of those players take them there's your there's your differentiation right with with your justin jefferson team Lion says, do you calculate <clears throat> how many points your advanced but eliminated teams would have no. scored in the finals? That would create <laughs> that would create more data to estimate the value add of building a team for the finals. Um well, it's Max Payne. That that's I just totally hurts. I totally respect the thesis of what of what you're saying, but um I value my sanity and my mental health. And the last thing I want to do is go look at that team that lost by one point in week 16 and watch yep. it and see that it would have won. Nope. <laughs> Life nope. can't do it. Life. I can't do it. I have I have an NBA best ball team right now that I would think I think in probably most pods would definitely be advancing. And I've I've sat there and flirted with asking to see some of the other people's pods <laughs> to see how I would be doing. And I'm like, I can't do it because I, I'm going to cry because this team is so solid right now and scoring so many points. And if it would have advanced in every other pod, I'm going to be sick. So I don't even want to know. Like, it's just if it doesn't ava- if it doesn't advance, that team's dead to me. I don't want to see it ever again. And we're done. That that is some that is some like that is dark. Massive. He is his name is Lion the Dark, and that is some dark shit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that is that is like what's that's like the stuff where you like like to hurt yourself. That is yes, that is the maximum definition of that. Like, I just I could never do it. Like, if you ever had a team that missed by a point, but would have won week seventeen, and you know it, I'd be vomiting. So, vomiting. can I tell? Can I tell a story about? I I still. I, I still to this day think about this. Um, so t- was it two years ago was the first year Lamar got hurt and Tyler Huntley came came in and started for him. And that's when Andrew. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Two years ago. Andrew yeah. Andrews Andrew. blows up. Andrews blows up right down down the stretch. The Ravens defense collapsed. Right. Uh, like the Ravens defense was an absolute abomination. They were just getting torched by everyone. So um, I made the DraftKings NFL live final. $2.5 million to first place. We're sitting there that morning. Lamar is questionable. They play an afternoon game. You, There's no late swap at the live final. You have to lock in your team before the, the noon games or one o'clock on the East Coast games start. And you don't, you can't swap. So you can't wait for like Lamar injury news, right? I had two teams that I was deciding between. And one of them was a, a, a Cardinals are playing the Lions. 
because uh, the the live final is week 16, not week 17. Uh, so I had two painful, two miserable, painful losses back to back because Pete and I got eighth in, in best ball mania the next week. And then uh, and then this. But so I had a Cardinals stack, a game stack of that I actually played Amon Ra on, on that team. Christian Kirk had a really, mm-hmm. really good team. And uh, my but my other team, Green Bay was playing the Ravens and it, it was a Huntley Andrews stack. Um, I was playing Devante regardless. I was actually playing MVS too. I was basically stacking those two games on both teams, but I, I had Gesicki on the Kyler and the Arizona team. And I had uh, with, so Kyler Gesicki essentially was a two B two. I think there was one other guy versus Huntley and Andrews. So Huntley has the greatest game of his career. He scored like 35 fantasy points. Andrews did the Andrews thing, like 150 yards and three touchdowns or whatever. Mike Gesicki yeah. scored like eight fantasy points, and the Car- the Cardinals got the absolute shit beat out of them by the by the Lions. And Kyler got benched for the fourth <laughs> for the fourth quarter. <laughs> I was sitting there on that on that Huntley team, and I just I just couldn't pull the trigger because I didn't know. I'm like, the last thing I want to do is come to this event, got a chance for multiple millions of dollars and play a a backup quarterback who doesn't even actually play today. Right. And so I'm Mm -hmm. like, I'm just not going to do it. Then Jay Glazer announces three minutes before lock Lamar's out. And I'm sitting in the hotel room with my buddy who came with me. And I'm like, what do you like? What do you think? Like, it's also, I trust Jay Glazer, but like, that's not a total guarantee. We don't have the injury report, blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, if I swap and Kyler wins it, I'll be sick to my stomach. And so I didn't swap. And if I had swapped, I would have won. You would have won it. I would have won $2.5 million. In fairness, we probably wouldn't be here today had I, had I won had I won the live final. So, you know, we'll take a, a, a glass half full. But uh, a Lion in the Dark says, like, do it for the content. I, I that, that sticks with me to this. We're, we're talking like, you know, almost a thousand days or something that it's been. And it still sticks with me to this day. I cannot, I could not do that to myself ever again. Like intentionally do that to myself. Yeah. Mine's not quite the same thing, but my one gambling memory that just, that just killed me is I was in a satellite to play in the main event of the World Series, which has like always been one of my big dreams about 10 yep. years ago. And we were down to, I think, 12 players. I think seven people were going. And I had like a, a marginal stack. I had to double. Folds around to the small blind. He shoves. I look down at ace, queen suited. Pretty easy snap call. It, our stacks were about the same. He had a little more than me, not much more. I table ace, queen suited. He tables ace, eight. Flop comes eight, eight, three. And I'm just like, sick like literally sick i have this dude yelling how he deserves it in my ear like and and i literally got home and i vomited in the front yard because i was so (laughs) upset over it like i was that upset so if you think i'm gonna sit here and calculate if i would have won a tournament absolutely never you can fire me Eric. i'm never taking a week 16 team and seeing if it would have won i'm just not doing it ever and to be fair, we do do a lot of uh, self torture for the content. It's just <laughs> yeah. like it's just like physical pain, right? Like yeah. I'll eat. We ate a bunch of hot yeah. dogs or ate a bunch of spicy wings, but I can't do the mental anguish. Like I'll get over the sickness from the hot dog. I, I'll never get over the the mental anguish. Never from I, if, from, if I knew I could have been a millionaire, <laughs> and like that would kill me. It just it would just like I would be I would just my soul would leave my body. 
<laughs> so let's let's uh wrap with kind of some of this third round talk um because obviously we're talking about the first three rounds and we we pretty much diagnosed the first two the third round definitely does get interesting where I, i'll lead and then kind of pass it over to you i think that we talked about let's just say that that t higgins is kind of where it because he is right at that two three turn mm-hmm. is is a, a tear break however you would like to say um i do i do still really like t higgins from a wide receiver perspective, I think DK Metcalf is a tear break for me. And so this is something, again, This you don't have to agree with that. But I think from DK Metcalf down to Debo and Calvin, I know you really like Calvin Ridley, but I, I just think that there's a level of uncertainty that exists with, with uh, Calvin Ridley that's not the same with these other mm-hmm. top top guys. And, and like not that he can't be awesome, but like, I know DK Metcalf is awesome. And so it's just a little bit easier. Say whatever you want about, uh, I know we've talked about Brees. We don't need to talk about him anymore, but I think, and I really hate Derrick Henry, but Josh Jacobs and Ramon get to Ramondre. And I think that's a tear break as well. I also probably argue Lamar is a tear break at quarterback, but moral of the story being you get to this range, this Ramondre DK Metcalf ish range that's still not even halfway through the second or the third round, excuse me. So you're you're halfway through the third round, and if you're in the back half of that of that third round, it's again why is the late pick so shitty? <laughs> it's because not not only do you get it worse in the first and the second round, you get it worse in the third round too. And mm-hmm. so how are you thinking about this this third round? As it are you kind of in agreement on that tier? And then how are you just kind of thinking about the third round? Well, DK Metcalf is a tear break but he's also his own tear for me at wide receiver yeah yeah, yeah. I, I would agree so, with that. yeah so like t higgins is like the tear break for me with the with like the devonta smith t higgins and then there's dk metcalf and then it's calvin ridley debo samuel on those guys so it will always be dk over those guys and then it's the calvin ridley amari cooper um you know those guys right there Mark Andrews, I've already said I'm not drafting him this year just based on I don't want to invest in the tight end spot that early. And I think Lamar, he's – I, I kind of have him and Fields in a tier together a bit. I, I I lean Lamar, obviously. But I think there's guys in the third round that I'm just fading. I, I'm just kind of fading Josh Jacobs this year for multiple reasons. And I don't even hate Josh Jacobs the way other people do. It's just – I don't like the capital that you have to invest in them. I'd rather have Ramondre. I'd rather have Travis Etienne. I'd rather have the Jags offense. Uh, the interesting one in this, I mean, we're fading Najee. We all know that. We don't have to We don't have to <laughs> dive into that. The interesting one is Jameer Gibbs right now, who's, who's rocketing up into the third round. I'm probably not taking him on underdog, but I will still take him on DraftKings. I will still take him on drafters, right? So, the third round is where I really start to take some stands on some guys. And we're going to start seeing my, when we start doing these drafts with a draft overlay, the draft hacker, you're going to start seeing some higher ownership percentages on a couple of these guys. And some of them zero to, you know, under 5%, sub 5%, because I'm just not, I'm not taking them as much. And even I like Justin Fields, but because I'm taking the early quarterbacks, my Justin Fields exposure is going to be lower because I'm not going to take him on the teams with the higher the higher end quarterbacks. So that's kind of that's kind of what I'm looking at right now. I think that that makes sense. I definitely haven't honestly really honed in what I will say <clears throat> for me because of that tier break 
Um, uh, I, I really have no issues with honestly fading almost any of these guys in this mm-hmm. in this third round. But because of this kind of tier break here where I have highlighted from Ramondre on down, and to be clear, Derrick Henry is not in this tier for me, um, but I understand that he goes there by by ADP. But it's kind of, kind of because also Derrick Henry goes here. Like I remove him. I have Brees lower than these other guys. And so I am just going to kind of take some Josh Jacobs, but to that very original conversation we had before, I really want to be wide receiver heavy in this, in this range right right here. If I can, right. If they're all gone, it creates a different thing. I might dip my toes in the Lamar waters. I'm pretty bullish on Lamar. I'm pretty excited for Lamar. I might dip my toes in there. And then I will also do exactly what we uh, talked about in the second round. Where like if there's two, if I have a second half of the third round, a pick, mm-hmm. I'm gonna do the same thing, or consider doing the same thing. Where I think all these guys are the same: Debo, Ridley, mm-hmm. Gibbs, Amari, Fields, DJ Moore, all, Ken Walker, Andrews versus Hawkinson. We talked about that on the uh, show recently. That they're literally right next to each other for me. So when I get to this group, and I all this right, the Ramondre on up is gone. Mm-hmm. I am gonna again look to who isn't right. Let's take two, let's move down the list a little bit and then take the two guys that go right next to each other, right? Jameer Gibbs and Amari Cooper, DJ Moore and De- I'm not saying whether you like DeAndre Hopkins or not, right? I'm I'm just gonna you know play around with that as well. Do the exact same thing here because again, I mean this if you think the second round tier is big, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I, we could make a case that this yeah. next tier is like absolutely massive. Like massive. what's the difference between like George Kittle versus T I mean, I prefer TJ Hawkinson, but like if you wanted to make a case, George Kittle was better than TJ Hawkinson. Would I really argue with you that much? If you wanted to make a case that Terry McLaurin was better than Deandre Hopkins, would I make argue with like, no. So there's just all of these guys. So I'm kind of considering doing the the same thing here, but I don't have like, I was really passionate about honestly the first round and the second round conversation. I think in this third round is where it's kind of a little bit of dealer's choice. It's kind of a little bit of uh, uh, you show up to the buffet, you want sushi, and I want a cheeseburger, or you know, mm-hmm. or or whatever, and we all pick pick what we want here. But I think that that's like that's a, sometimes I think that's people being stubborn and being like, I just like that guy. I you know I you know the Levitan IKB. I know better when you don't no better but in this range i think is a spot you can do it right like you let's why i didn't i don't like the the jag stack as much as you do but why i've never pushed back on it once is not because of anything about the jags it's because you get to this point and i'm like yeah so he likes ridley better what's the fucking difference between (laughs) ridley and between ridley and anybody else here and so that's context like i think gibbs is probably my favorite guy here but like you know, on underdog, there's flaws to Gibbs there on underdog, right? DJ Moore, I really, obviously, shocker, another year of liking DJ Moore. But, like, again, DJ Moore on the Bears on underdog, is it that great? Is it better than anybody else? Not really. So I think this is the spot where, like, you really want to sink your teeth in and and be like, I'm going to – this is where I'm going to, you know, take my stand on somebody. I do think you can do it right here. I think that's a good point. And the other two points that I will end this on – because I have a pre-show meet in four minutes. Yep. Um, I think this is a perfect range if you don't have a quarterback yet to set up some stacks for later in the draft. And I also think we just went into this double stack talk. And I know some people are going to put their nose and pinch their nose and shake their head at this. 
but if you wanted to take Mike Williams in the third, right, to get Keenan Allen in the fourth, especially if it's on DraftKings or something, to set up the Justin Herbert double stack that no one's really going to have because they're all like ADP adjacent right now, you can set up the Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, Justin Herbert, and you'll probably get it enough because people will just let Herbert fall without one of the other two guys. And even if they don't, who cares? Like now you just have those two wide receivers, right? So I think that's another thing. I'm going to do that occasionally. I'm not going to do it frequently, but when I do that, it will be on drafters or DraftKings specifically, I would assume, because that's that's where I like Keenan Allen on those two sites. So Yeah, yep. I totally agree. And uh, we do have to get out of here. Um, I'm just going to really quickly run through this last couple comments because I don't want to leave you guys hanging. And we appreciate you guys uh, dropping in the comments. I found Felix's burner, lazy fish breeder. <laughs> Br- Brian agrees with us on uh, worried about regression in Vegas. I, I am extremely worried about that for every single Raider. That's why you mentioned the Josh Jacobs thing. I have no arguments about that. I talked about Devonte, Casey. Those were that was ADP, <laughs> not not not, not, rankings. not rankings, not 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 rankings. So don't worry about yeah. that. Cobra Kai talks about exactly what we said. He's even talking about from pick thirty-four to sixty. There is really not that much difference, and I wouldn't even make an argument for that uh, either. And then D Web uh, asks, "Are you taking Lamar at the two-three turn?" For me, it's too it's too early. Um, just because I do still think there's a tier break af- after him and you can get him after that tier break whenever you want, almost relatively speaking, right? Uh, sometimes he's a late third yeah. round pick. So you're going to get him the whole back half of the, of the third round. So I'm not going to force it over T and Devonta Smith and, and Ramondre. I'm not, I'm not, personally, not, yet. not yet, not yet, not, not yet. yet. I'm not, I'm not forcing it. It um, might have, it might come to that, but not yet. Exactly. And agree with Josh. Go ahead and hit that like and, and subscribe button. No show tomorrow, uh, but we do have another video uh, coming out. And I just wanted to say from a housekeeping perspective, if you whether you are in, you know, an advanced best ball player or a new best ball player, I just posted the first article in a new series called How to Win at Best Ball. Uh, this specific article is about mastering the rules. And I really think uh it's it's a, it's a good going to be a really good series for no matter if you're brand new to best ball seasoned or even kind of an expert it has helped me and i literally started a best ball company two years ago so um i'm really deep in the weeds but i think that this series will be really helpful and rob is going to help me uh put some videos out on kind of a how to win at best ball best ball 101 uh type type series so those will be coming as well here uh very 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 shortly on the youtube channel rob anything before you send us out of here Nope, that's it for me. I can't believe the Celtics are garbage, and I'm getting very angry. <laughs> that's how I feel. We talked last night. I said, all I need is the Warriors to win. All I need is the Warriors to win. And then they literally just shit the bed in the final uh, couple minutes. Thanks for joining us, guys. Um, we will see you on Thursday. We'll be, we'll, be back. we'll be back on Thursday. We will see you on Thursday. Peace. Peace. Those were some spicy takes. Want to stay up to date with all of the other spicy takes we're going to have over here at Spike Week? Why don't you press that subscribe button below? You turn notifications on, we draft a team, boom, you know about it. We have another spicy take, boom, you know about it. You can be there. You can draft with us. You want to stay up to date? That's how you do it. All right, we'll catch you later next time here at Spike Week.